0: Clock. I'll see you there all right thanks Jed all right real quick uh thank you Christy for talking about Memorial Day um we have a we have many 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 military families in our church uh probably last of our records showed we were probably 29 30 ish percent military families in our church we love military families my son calls them army dudes So we have lots of Army dudes and and Army ladies in our church. And so we love you, and we love when you come, and we're so sad when you go. Uh, We have a family that's going to be departing today. Actually, we've got several families that are departing today. And I want to invite up one family. This is the Isaacs family. This is Shannon, the dad, uh, Sage, mama, and the kids coming on up. Going to take a little acrobatic work here with somebody with crutches this morning. She decided to dive into the shallow end of a pool that she thought was saw, uh, thought was a deep end. But uh, let me tell you why I'm bringing these guys up on stage. This is a military family who uh, have, have really has the my church heart. They dove in from day one and uh, improved things. They made things great. They actually uh, helped us birth an ongoing small group called Married to the Military in our church, and they led this for a period of years and have done a phenomenal job with this. It's going to carry on because of their leadership, and so we hate to lose wonderful families, but we know we're not saying goodbye. Um, We know we're just saying until next time, especially if it's Fort Benning, right, because people come back, and so they're going to be going to Fredericksburg, Virginia. We had another family this morning going to Italy. We know that God brings you different places, and you've got different assignments, and so we're grateful for the time that God has allowed us to have with you, and our prayers are that God would continue to bless you and guide you, and so we just want you to know who they are, we want you to pray for them, and we wanted to thank them today for how you, what you did and how you're leaving us better off because of you being here. We love you guys too, and we're praying for you and wherever God takes you next, and I'm excited about the church I think you guys are already looking at. Friends of our church, they've got a great kids ministry, great student ministry, so we're excited for you. So pray with me real quick for these guys. God, I pray you'd bless the Isaacs. God, watch over to them. Um, God, I pray that you would just make their path straight. God, give them peace. Give them security in you, God, on the days that they just feel like it's like, ah, we're in a new place. It's different all over again. God, I pray you just give them some real um, hope and foundation and security in you. God, just build a hedge of protection around them. Um, guide them to where you want them to go. And, God, I pray you, really, you would make their paths straight because, God, we know they put you first in their household. So, Lord, thank you for the, what they have meant to us. And just watch over them now as they move on. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys. All right. See you. Okay, we're starting a new series today. This is going to be a fun one. You guys like that bumper video? Like that music? It's a, I, I picked it. Not... As Jed said, I have no musical talent. I'm not involved in anything musical around here. But I do know good when we see it. So um, we are kicking off a series called Vacation Road Trip. Now, how many of you guys, be honest now, you have gone on a long road trip before. How many of you guys have done that, right? How many of you guys, it's been on a plane? How many of you guys, it's been in a car or a truck or something, All right. So my family... Uh, back to when I was a little bitty kid, we took road trips. My dad just uh, took road trips. He would actually kind of lock the doors of his business, and we would take off many summers and go weeks at a time. Uh, one time, we left Miami, Florida, and drove all the way up into Alaska, and then back. That was a long road trip. And you know, with three kids in a car, I can't, I can't even remember how we didn't kill each other, my siblings and I. Uh, We love road trips. My family, we take some road trips. For the last few years, we've been driving to Colorado, and uh, I have taken my family in my pickup truck. And uh, so on these trips, one, one time, we had this experience that was not a good experience. Now, you know, on road trips, you can have great experiences, and on road trips, you can have very poor experiences. So... We're riding down the road. I'm focused. I'm in my lane. I'm doing my deal. Dad's playing his role. I'm going to get us there safe and sound. And all of a sudden, I realize, man, there are some sweet, like, RVs that I'm passing. And look how spread out they are. They got so much space. And I remember seeing this one particular RV that I was just like, I was just Google-eyed over. Have you seen those cool new, like, Mercedes Ben's RVs, you seen them? you seen the vans, Mercedes vans, like the cool new vans are like narrow but really tall. They've got some now, they're like RV size. And this joker, I passed this guy and I was just like staring at it like, oh my gosh, if we could just be in that right now as we're like, you know, like we're crammed and we're like tight, you know. I'm looking at this RV and I'm like, not only is it awesome, but he had this thing jacked up and it had bigger tires on it. A big, like, luggage rack, like, totally manned out. And as we pass this thing, I'm noticing, like, oh, my gosh, not only is this thing awesome, but he's got this, like, 30-foot trailer. He's got, like, four side-by-sides on it. You know, like, off-road vehicle, ATVs. He's got three or four four four-wheelers. And about that time, Christy goes, baby, baby, get back on your lane. Because I had swerved over, like, four lanes. I'm now about to go off the road, and I jerk the thing back on the road. And I keep, keep us moving forward. But I had lost... Like my mind. I was living in their RV at that moment, right? I was just imagining how cool it would be if we were them. And so what I want to talk to you today is about this. And here's the thing. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. Can I say that again? Because I think this is going to be something today that is going to be profound for all of us. Because I think in all of us is this tendency... To look over and compare to something else, to someone else. Something that we don't have or we think we have something different. And it's easy for us to kill something good by comparing it to something else. If you got notes this morning, you jot this down. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. Where comparison begins, contentment ends. And this is is a massive... Uh, flaw that we have that came from birth. I I remember when I was a kid, uh, my grandmother used to write us all checks on Christmas. She didn't didn't go out and, and shop for us. She just wrote us checks. I was okay with that. Cash is always a wonderful gift. You guys like cash as gifts? Right? So my grandmother would write us these checks and every year, I think it was like for 25 bucks and that was like massive. But every year, because I was a prankster, I got it honest, my whole family was here earlier this morning, my dad and brother, sisters and brother, everybody's been in town because my oldest daughter graduated. Love you, Allie. But I would get this check, 25 bucks, and I would always open my check up with my two sisters standing there, and I'd go, oh my gosh, $100! And they would look at theirs, and theirs was 25 bucks, And they would both go back to the room, and they would cry. So my grandmother got wind of this, and like the next Christmas, they opened their checks up, and they were like, "A hundred dollars!" And mine was 25 bucks, and I went back to my room and cried. <laughs> and so and it, and it, so it just happens, And you know, if you factor in today what was different than when I grew up, social media, oh my gosh, you can't look anywhere on social media until you run into the person, and this drives me crazy right now, that's already been to the beach like four times, and school just got out, and what's the photo? It's their book, it's their toes, and the ocean in the background. Am I right? And you're like, do they ever work? Am I the only person that ever works? How do they get away so much, right? Or I know you ladies, you have it pretty tough, because you're like, you know, you're like, Maybe your marriage is great, maybe it's not, but like there they are again. And the, there's, there's the, like, you know, the, you see lobster in the background, and there's like steak. And the guys, that's, I, I would have looked for steak. And then, you know, it's like they must be so in love. They, 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 it must be so perfect. Look how they're hugging each other, right? And we, we compare our normal to their like highlight reel. You know what I'm saying? It is so hard. And that's, that's, that's if you're an adult, if you're a student. It is, it's atrocious, right, for students these days to not fall into the comparison trap. And I'm telling you this much. It is a trap that will rob you of everything. It will rob you of everything. Uh, Paul in the Bible spoke, like, so clearly And so, like, non-politically correct about this. The Apostle Paul, in the Bible, wrote this. you got to read the Bible sometimes. I mean, this stuff cannot be made up. So the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians writes this, chapter 10, verse 12. But they are only comparing themselves with each other. With each other. Using themselves, I think this is hilarious, using themselves as the standard of measurement. And he says... How ignorant. He's like, yo, that's stupid. Like, that's just straight up stupid. In your notes, comparing makes you feel, and there's no way around this, comparing makes you feel either superior or inferior. When you play this tape out, if you've been running in any lane like this that's not your lane, you either feel superior or inferior. But know this, neither honors God or brings you any closer to Him. In fact, if you're a Christ follower and you're not following Christ and you're looking in someone else's lane, you actually lose sight of where God's at. You lose sight of your mission. You lose sight of your purpose when you're looking over your shoulder at somebody else. I remember years ago, One of my favorite pastors, I've learned a ton and emulated a ton from Andy Stanley. Uh, Used to live in Atlanta, got to hang out with him on occasion. Wonderful pastor, incredible author. Uh, He talked about this and he used to say it was called the land of Ur. The land of Ur. Not like you are in the Bible, but like the human nature of I don't want to be the biggest and strongest, or I don't want to be big, I want to be bigger. I don't want to be fast. I want to be fast. Er. Anybody tracking? Anybody competitive out there that like it's both a blessing and a curse. Like I'm I'm competitive and I get competitive about stupid things that do not do not matter. And the older I get and I'm not as physically competitive like I would hoped I had wanted to be when I was younger. Now it's just like I compare I compare myself with silly dumb things like hey let's thumb wrestle i'm the champion of thumb wrestling right so it's for me it's not even er it's est i don't want to be the bigger i want to be the biggest i don't want to be faster i want to be the fastest i don't want to just have a bigger church i want the biggest church i don't want to be the smartest i want to be i don't want to be smarter i want to be the smartest and it goes on and on and on and on and on and if you allow it to because of our human nature, our, we have this sin tendency. From birth, because of Adam and Eve's, you know, birth of this, we all are sinful creatures. And left alone, we all can drift and go astray. So, so Paul speaks about this. He says some crazy things about this. And, um, and it's just not us. It's even with our kids, I've listened to young couples and I, I think we probably did this, Christy and I, when our kids were really young. And I, I, I remember hearing young couples and they'd talk about, oh, little Johnny, he's walking. Oh my gosh. It's only been 12 months. And I've, I've, I've heard dads lean over to their wives and said, how, how long did it take for ours? Nine months. Like it's like all of a sudden they bowed back up. Like his ours did it nine months. Our, our kids got a like a, a thirty five perfect score on the ACT how about yours right? and we compare and we compare and we compare there 's two guys in the Bible named John and Peter, and they were like godly men, godly men they, they walked uh, they walked with Jesus they were part of his earliest crew of disciples and I remember my my one of my um, my seminary professors, he said that they, they, didn't, they despised each other. They didn't like each other. I can go with that. The more, but the more I've read and have seen with my own eyes uh, how they interacted with, with each other, I really feel like these guys were probably just very competitive with each other and probably had some issues with comparing with each other. Um, John was one of these types that I, I, it, dry, it irks me when I see people refer to themselves in third person. John was one of these guys. You've got to read your Bibles. This is hilarious. John was one of these guys literally in the Bible. He referred to himself in third person. He said, the one that Jesus loved. Referring to himself, right? The one that Jesus loved. Um, And, you know, all through the New Testament you see Peter and John, you know, comparing themselves to each other. Uh, So much so, there's this one scene that uh, Jesus goes to his grave, And he rises from the dead. And, like, all attention is like, where did he go? I mean, and Jesus predicted this. He talked about it. But still people are, like, clamoring. You know, Mary runs to the tomb. He's not there. She runs back. And then all of a sudden, when all attention goes towards the empty tomb, somebody dead said, I'm going, somebody alive says, I'm going to die, and goes and gets dead. All attention's on that right? When someone rises from the dead, all eyes on the walking dead guy, right? The first walking dead, right? All attention's on Jesus, right? Supposedly, until we enter into the scene, John, who writes his own book and calls it John. So I'm going to read this passage to you, and I want you to count how many times John tells us he's the fastest person going to the tomb. Right? We're talking about a dead man walking, and he's focused on reminding all of us as readers who's the fastest runner. Now, this is in the Bible, I promise you. John chapter 20, he writes his story. So Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, <laughs> and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter. Come on, people. This is is not hilarious. He outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Christ is risen, and I outran Peter. (laughs) I mean, verse verse 6, Then Simon Peter came along behind him. Second time. And went straight into the tomb. And finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first, third time, also went inside. And it continued, and continue, it continued after this. Uh, John chapter 21, after the resurrection, after this has all happened, Peter, Peter has this experience with Jesus. Uh, prior to Jesus' death, Peter tells Jesus, I, I'm, I'm always going to have your back. I love you, you're my buddy, you're my savior, I I believe you're you're the the son of God, you know, all of me for all of you, I'm all in for you, Jesus, and Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me three times, not once, not twice, three times, you're going to not have my back, you're going to be completely unloyal to me, and Peter's like, no, 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 I will never do that, well, If you know the story, Peter denies him three times. Three different people come up. Peter's like, ah, nope, don't know the guy. Another person comes up, hey, aren't you with that guy? Nope, don't know the guy. Third person comes up, same story. So now Jesus, after his death, he rises from the dead. He's, He's roaming around a little bit, taking inventory, and then he makes a beeline to Peter to do what? To restore Peter. That's what the Bible says. To restore him. Because he knows Peter's heart's jacked up. He knows that he feels pathetic that he dis- disowned, disavowed the relationship he had with Jesus. So he makes a beeline to Peter and he forgives him. And he says to Peter, Peter, now that I've forgiven you, now that you've had this experience, we've had this experience, I want you on my team even greater than before. Peter, go feed my sheep. And he gives Peter If he didn't have a clear purpose before, now he's on on straight-up mission. He is going to run his lane because Jesus told him who he is, what he's supposed to do, and he's he's on point for Jesus right now. So right after this, right after that moment, this is what happens. John chapter 21, verse 20, Peter turned around and saw behind him the other disciple Jesus loved, looking over his shoulder. Peter, quit looking over your shoulder. Peter, focus, stay in your lane or you're going to wreck. He turns around and sees behind him the disciple that Jesus loved, John. And Peter asks Jesus, what about him, Lord? Like, what's up with that? Why is he with us? What about me? Right? And Jesus replied, "If you want him to remain alive until I return, what is that what is that with you?" And then he says, "As for you, Peter, just follow me." Follow me. Place your attention, fix your eyes on, focus on me. Quit looking over your shoulder comparing yourself to somebody else. I think I believe This is a trap for all of us. It's a trap for everybody. And I used to think it was a great trap when you were younger. I think it's a greater trap every year that you live. Because then you have more time to compare with the year before. And that year before. And seasons. And larger amounts of people that you've known for years. And as you grow, and as you amass, whatever it is in life, it is harder and harder and harder. To keep your eyes and attention on Jesus because it's just our human nature. In your notes this morning, I've got something I want you to look at. And I want us to walk away with this thought here as we lean in towards the last few moments of this conversation. Here it is. You can't faithfully follow. You can't faithfully follow Jesus if you're always comparing yourself to someone else. How how can you? How can you faithfully follow Jesus and be looking somewhere else? How can you stay on point and on track? How can you have the experience of walking with the Savior of the world if you're drifting and looking and playing to the beat of in the lane of someone else? If If you're always looking over your shoulder and asking, why did they get more attention than I got? Why do they have more money than I have? But I work just as hard. Why are they on another vacation? Where is my vacation? You will never be who he's called you to be. It's our sin nature that will always, always mark it down, lead us astray. There is no external, think about this for a second. There's no external nothing out there, there's no external win that can satisfy the internal longing that we have. There is nothing external. Nothing on the outside that can fill the internal longing that we have. Not enough money, not enough attention, not enough followers, not enough likes, not enough popularity, not a big enough house, not enough friends, not enough successes to satisfy you apart from God. So here's the question. This is the question. The quintessential question, I believe, of our day, not this day, but our day. The question we must answer is this, who or what is going to define my worth? That really is, that's where this goes. Who or what's going to define my worth? And if your answer is anything besides Christ, if it's anything else at all, you will always be running a race you cannot or will win. If it's anything apart from from Jesus Christ. If that is, if anything, if it's any other answer other than Christ, you're going to run a race and you're going to be lacking hope, satisfaction, joy. You're going to run a race and be empty. You're going to run on empty. And you're going to lose your way if your answer is anything other than Christ. Paul addresses this probably the, nearing the end of his ministry, nearing the end of his, his days of, learning and growing and and following Christ and and Jesus' message, the Apostle Paul says this in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, he says, Therefore, since we've been surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, like we've got all these people that have gone before us, right, and experienced God, in light of their experiences and what they learned and mistakes that they made, let us, let us throw off everything that hinders us And the sin that so easily can tangle us up. And let us run with perseverance, don't quit, the race that's marked out for us. Stay in your lane. How? By fixing our eyes on what? On Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. Another another, translation is the author and perfecter of our faith. The author of our lives. The, the director of our lives, the hope of our lives, the only one that can fill this void that we have, Jesus, says, fix your eyes on me. Stay, stay in step with me. Notice how it's spoken of in First Corinthians. So run to win. This is not a, a lose-lose proposition. It's okay for the competitive people out there. He's not saying run to lose. No, he's saying, I want you to win through me. Keep your eyes on me. So run to win. He says all athletes are, are, are disciplined in their training. They stay focused and they work at it. They don't quit. They don't look elsewhere. They're not paying attention to the guy next to them or the girl next to them or, you know, longing for dad's approval still and dad might be gone. You may never get dad's or mom's approval. They might have gone and have, are no longer on this earth any longer. S- some, some of you who are married, you're still longing for your spouse to complete you. That, that maybe they would think I'm enough or I, that I have what it takes. And that, that may or may not ever come. But if you do get that, it will not satisfy they are not your answer. Jesus says, I am. Fix your eyes on me. So athletes are di- disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize. But that prize, if it's earthly, will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run, Paul's speaking, I run with purpose. What's his purpose? Jesus. Where do we get our purpose? Jesus. Where do we get our satisfaction? Jesus. He really is the answer for every deficiency we had. Here's 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 my philosophy of the Bible summed up. We don't have what it takes. Boo. So sad. That stinks. But he does. He has what it takes. And so when we run out of ourselves, that's not a bad thing. When we run out of ourselves, what happens is we realize, oh, I have a deficiency. You know what that deficiency is for? My deficiency for the point of being dependent on him. Deficiencies for the point of dependency. See, God wants us to run out of ourselves to realize I don't have what it takes. And when I get to that point, he wants me to recognize everything I have, want for, hope for is found in him. So, Paul says, I run with purpose in every step. Purpose in every step. Let let God define for you who you are and what purpose he has for you. Every day, step by step. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that today you would help help our eyes become fixed on you. And God, I pray that you would help make our paths straight. God, I, stay, I, I pray starting today and throughout this entire summer, God, I pray that throughout this sermon series, God, that we birth, that we start today, this conversation that's just beginning today, God, I pray that you would help us to open our eyes to you, to focus on you to lean into you. And God, I pray for all the counterfeits, all the things around us that, that cry for our affection, that, that lie to us about what they can serve to us, the hope they can bring us. God, I pray that you would uh, help us to have blinders on in, in so many respects, God. Help us to, to focus and help us to be disciplined, to lean into you, to put our eyes and our attention on you and to, to say no to say no to comparing, to say no to the emptiness that they bring. And God, I pray that you would just help us find clarity and purpose and hope and all the satisfaction, God, through you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, because he's the powerful name, this, the, the name of our Savior, the name of God.